This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Sir Jared of House Kettle. Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Butt Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Uh, today we're into chapter 37, uh, brand 5 of A Game of Thrones. And in a world of ice and fire, we're discussing The Reach. All right. Sir Ezra, how are you feeling today? <clears throat> I am um, under the weather, you know. Uh, hey, man, that's okay. You got a, I would say a late summer chill, but uh, I believe winter is here. So. It's here, full on, and... Uh, yeah, losing my voice, losing my... You're going to hear my voice crack probably a couple times during this episode. Um, hey, that's... <clears throat> that's okay. That, hey, that, that, is, uh, that is okay. This can be a uh, Sir Sir Matt-heavy episode. You know, so. and what's um, we, we lucked out here because there's this is actually one of the shortest, straightforward chapters in the whole book, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, as, as far yeah. as brand and... You know what happens, right? And you and you can. It's pretty much almost. It goes down the exact same way as it goes down in the show, yeah. um, which you know, if if you're following along with us and you don't really have enough time to say read this chapter this week, well, you can pretty much watch the HBO show and, and get it because it's pretty straightforward. Um, there is some hidden stuff we're gonna dive into here, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So, well, all right, sir. Is everything else going okay? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, life is uh, uh, good, just busy. It's, but I think I've honestly recorded four days in a row now, and that could be part mm-hmm. of why I'm sick. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, but but that's fine. Uh, yeah, but it's it's been good. Um, getting ready, looking forward to Thanksgiving coming up soon. So, uh, Fire and Blood, Thanksgiving, all that good goodness is coming here soon. So, I uh, need some time to time to read that that book though. You know, so it's kind of. Oh, I know. Perfect timing when and where it's coming out. So, how about how about you though? Mm-hmm. Hey, man, everything is uh, everything is good. I, I have I have no complaints. I have you know a, a second interview at a uh, job this week, so that's making nice. my uh, my search feel feel a little bit better there. Um, yeah, I got other other projects working on. I think I'm getting getting those a little more up and running. Yeah, seem to be doing well. So. Uh, yeah, Sir Ezra and I do a handful of projects. We don't just do this this podcast, but right. uh, yeah. So I don't know. Everything's everything's kind of going uh, pretty well for me. It's, um, does it ever feel like it's, it's just going? You know, it's just like mm-hmm. like man. Sometimes I gotta stop and and like think like, wow, look at all the things that are happening. You know, and it's like it's good mm-hmm. stuff. You know, so we're you know sometimes we complain and we say we're stressed out, but like we're blessed. It's all good. But man, uh, it goes fast, you know, mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. Well, um, as we as we had said in the follow up Friday, we're going to be kind of changing the structure of the show here once uh, Fire and Blood comes out. So um, this week and next week, I think is. Yeah, this week and next week um, will just be the main show. Mm-hmm. There will be no follow up Friday these next two weeks. Uh, nobody has actually said like anything about it, so we didn't yeah. really hear any feedback on that. So we're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was um, wondering. Yeah, I hadn't heard <laughs> anything. So you know, I mean, yeah. that's either a good well, thing or a bad thing. I mean, what? Good thing or good thing or bad thing. We had we had some more people um, jump into that Discord server, uh, and they seem pretty excited for that. 
Uh, yeah, so that's what's kind of going on there. Um, I'm excited for Fire and Blood. I have some Fire and Blood uh, kind of news coming up here in a second, but uh, now that we have kind of merged the two, I guess I should go ahead and tr- do trivia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of weird doing it for the Monday show, but uh, yeah, the trivia question was, who takes Ned Stark's Bones North? And the answer, um, there's actually two. I think it was actually... It is Hallis Mullen, who we will talk about a little bit here. Mm-hmm. And it is also, um, I think he, he also goes up with the Silent Sisters. So we actually had some people say yeah. Silent Sisters. Some people say Hallis Mullen. Yeah. But uh, the winner, I just want to uh, double check here, make make 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As at, per usual is uh, Lord Adam Parker. Wow. actually got it in. Got it in once again, literally just minutes. We've had we've literally had people submitting it like minutes after each other. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lady Jade uh, chimed in uh, late, and um, yeah. So nice. Well, that's good. I mean, now so the question is, when do we, uh, you know, yeah. give the next trivia question? Do we do it now, or do we wait, or what, what's the plan? Um. Yeah, well, I guess we could come up with a trivia. I didn't. I kind of forgot to come up with a trivia question. I just was well, like, I guess oh, we'll, yeah, we need to. Do, we, I guess we'll we come up with so one. Maybe, maybe we'll just see. Yeah, we'll come up. Okay. With, yeah, throughout the chapter well, I'll, here, I'll, I'll, I'll come up. I'll come up with one by the end of the by the end of the show. That's right. Okay. So I love it. I love it so, yeah. on the fly. Yeah, on on the on the fly trivia. So, um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into um, some of the news here. So, there's two things I have. I have for us. Um, one, and both of these are, are kind of, one of them is kind of funny. Um, so Gurr was, a uh, Gurr was talking to, to somebody who was interviewed and he said he's developing a couple more shows for HBO. Hmm. Um, in addition to the Game of Thrones prequels, he's already working on, um, he says a couple of shows, he's working on a couple of shows for HBO. He can't talk about them yet. Uh, but he's also working on, um, wild cards and who fears death and you know he's also that other show. Uh, what is it? Night something or I can't remember. The, I don't know. We yeah. watched the trailer for it's like sci. It's on the Sci Fi Channel. It's another one of his. Oh, like Night's Fall or something like that, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gur says <clears throat> in talking about and working on his various projects. This was an interview with the Guardian. Uh, it's all fun, but there are days when I feel a little dizzy. It's a good problem to have. Wow, really? Sounds to me like sounds to me like you have, uh, you know. A lot going on, and (laughs) is he addicted just to doing? You know, I mean, I don't know. He's juggling so many different things. It's just it's crazy. I know. Yeah, uh, with Winds of Winter, he says he's been struggling with it for a few years. Jeez! Wow. Yeah, I'd say with the dizziness. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and he said he said uh, they're asking about Fire and Blood. He said. So, you know, Winds of Winter is a very challenging. He said, Fire and Blood um, was pretty simple to get done. He's like, not that it's easy. It still took me a couple years to put together, but it's a lot easier. Huh. So, mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Well. So, all right. So, that, so that was just kind of, uh, you know, in- interesting there. As so, always, what, anytime. to sum that up, though, we're, we're never getting Winds of Winter. We're never we're getting talking. Winds of Winter. Okay. No, all right. it's pretty much, yeah, pretty much <clears throat> what I thought about that. So, That's fine. I just um, wanted to, yeah. You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Also, then uh, some news. Uh, Doug Wheatley is the guy who's doing some uh, illustration in Fire and Blood. 
Um, and it's pretty cool, actually. It's a lot of these pictures. I actually really like that they are um, black and white, like pencil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, at first, I was like, oh, they're not color. But now, I, I don't know. The more I see of them, the more I really like them. And I, I really like that it's being handled by, like, one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's not, like, all these different things and stuff like that. So anyway, it's, it's pretty cool. He says that he was a huge fan of the books in the HBO series before he started uh, doing the illustrations, before he started illustrating Westeros. Um, he said he read the, the manuscript once just to enjoy and get a good feel for the overall tone of this book on the second read he broke the manuscript down into 10 page segments with the idea that he would choose one scene to illustrate per segment i chose two scenes per segment um a first and a second choice if you will he says i was completely overwhelmed with all the inspiring images the book was so rich uh with characters and story it was hard to know where to start i realized that i had approached my wish list from the point of what was the most important image in the 10 page segment it wasn't always the one I wanted to draw the most, but the one I felt was most complimentary to the story George was telling. Mm. One of the many images I recall grabbing me was the second wedding of Jaehaerys and Allison at King's Landing. I remember reading that scene and just thinking, this is an absolute must. I sent them in and crossed my fingers. Mm. That's the one we shared you know, the, uh, mm -hmm. the other day. That was yep. one that Gurr had sh shared on Twitter. Um, he said, this is a great romance. If you'll uh, accept the incestuous <laughs> relationship can be, if you can accept that an incestuous relationship can be a great romance. Um, and then he also, I he's can. also done on, on his, on his, on his Twitter, we have one of Archmaester Gildane, which is cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. um, at, yeah. And, uh, he says, with the, uh, I'm trying to, uh, for instance, he says, he, the author wanted to, uh, a portrait of Archmaester Gildane, the man who wrote the book. The only caveat was that Gildane uh, not resemble him, like in terms of Gur, right? So he was thinking about making, he was making about making Archmaester Gildane look like Gur. Yeah. And uh, and he said he thought when he read it, read it the first time, like the notes that Gur had given him, that he wanted uh, Gildane to look like Gur. So he he did it, and um, and then yeah, and then he then. He says that the people were jumping around his studio, thinking it's awesome. And then he then he said he calmed down, read the directions again, and I realized, oh, he shouldn't look like George. So he read, yeah. <laughs> so he had to redo, redo it. So his 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 first thing, he was like, oh, sweet, and then he just got, uh, kind of jumped into it. So wow, wow. Um, yeah. So it's just pretty cool uh, talk, talking about some of these characters and stuff like that. And it's kind of cool to get some of the bad. One that's kind of cool here um, is this picture of Annie's he has. Um, mm -hmm. says, as I understood George's description of the character, uh, Aenys Targaryen, the second king, mm -hmm. you know, who's who's kind of sad, really. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's kind he's kind of depressed guy, and then uh, Megor the Cruel becomes king. Um, he says Aenys seemed to be more of a benefactor than an heir. He used all of his resources left by his father to explore his interest and improve himself. His characteristics included wanting to please everyone and being indecisive. I thought to approach these attributes through his pose one hand up and one hand down one hand open one closed sadness in his eyes but a smile on his lips at the same time i made an effort to make him seem charming and approachable it's pretty cool actually you know just getting yeah. some of the uh just just getting some some of these some of these uh insights what from, they were thinking yeah, yeah the well, yeah the insights <clears throat> because i mean that helps you really when you look at that image and you hear his description um, mm -hmm. would really tell you a lot about who Aenys was. Helps you remember him a little bit more. Yeah, you know. So yeah, 
Yeah, and then there was one I shared in the group, and he said it was the, the first illustration he did was um, Egg on the Conqueror on Balerion the Black Dread. That's the I shared we, we had I yep. shared that one in the group where Aegon's just kind of standing there, and he's got he's got black fire in his hand, and he's got like this you know clo- or cape that's like flowing, and yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. So yeah, so uh, real the more the more I hear about about Fire and Blood as it as it's coming out, I think it's going to be a really cool kind of companion book to the series. Yeah, sounds like it. Yep. It's awesome. So, all right, <clears throat> yeah, all right. Well, um, we can go ahead and dive on over to the uh, Maester Study um, yep. as we are, we're closing in on the end of yeah. what we're going to be covering for a World of Ice and Fire. We only have two regions left in the seven in the seven kingdoms. So, yeah, it's crazy. We'll get yeah. So we'll get started here with the Reach. The largest and most populous of the six southern kingdoms, the north vast and expanse, though thinly peopled, being a land apart, is commonly referred to as the Reach. But this name is somewhat of a uh, misnomer. The domains of House Tyrell, the lords of Highgarden, now largely correspond with those of the kingdom of the Reach as it existed for thousands of years before Aegon's conquest. But that rich and fertile realm was, in fact, once comprised of four kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Old Town um, <clears throat> uh, is bounded by the Red Mountains to the east and the headwaters of the Honeywine in the north. The Arbor, the Golden Island beyond the Red Wine Strait, famed for its wine and sunshine. The Western Marches from Horn Hill to Nightsong. The Reach proper, a vast expanse of fields and farms, lakes and rivers, hills and woods. Uh, Figurate meadows, mills and mines dotted with small villages, thriving market towns and ancient castles stretching from the Shield Islands in the Sunset Sea up the mountain, up the mouth of the Mander. And we'll get to that mm-hmm. uh, past High Garden. Yeah. to Red Lake, Gold Grove, and Bitterbridge, as far as Tumbleton and the Mander's headwaters. This latter was the realm ruled by the gardeners of old, and in the more recent days uh, by the descendants of their stewards, the Tyrells of Highgarden. It was in these green fields that chivalry was born. History tells us the gallant knights and fair maids of the Reach are celebrated throughout the Seven Kingdoms by the singers whose old traditions first took root here as well. Once and always a great realm, the Reach is many things to its inhabitants. The most populous, fertile, and powerful domain in the Seven Kingdoms, its wealth second only to the gold-rich West, a seat of learning, a center of music, culture, and the arts, bright and dark, the breadbasket of Westeros. A nexus of trade, a home to great uh, seafarers, wise and noble kings, dead sorcerers, and the most beautiful women in all of Westeros. On a hill overlooking the Mander rises Highgarden, uh, rightly hailed as the most beautiful castle in the realm. The Mander itself, which flows beneath its walls, is the longest and broadest river in the Seven Kingdoms. The great city of Old Town is equal of King's Landing in size, and it is superior in all other respects, being vastly older and more beautiful, with its cobbled streets, ornate guild halls, stone houses, and three great monuments— the Starry Sept of the Faith, the Citadel of the Maesters, and the Mighty High Tower. With its great beacon, the tallest tower in all the known world, truly the Reach is a land for superlatives. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I got, well, one quick comment here. Um, this, what we're, what uh, Sir Matt just read to you, was written by a maester. Okay? 
mm-hmm. who you know um, right does all their learning <laughs> in Old Town. Okay, right. At, hey, the, that's true at the Citadel. So I just thought it was kind of funny because it it's such a when I when I was reading it uh, earlier today, I was like, wow, it is like I mean, just it's awesome. I mean, whoever then I thought more about like who who wrote this, and I'm like, because it is they they make it to be this rich and it is rich, vast. It's got um, right. grain. It's got um, <clears throat> wineries. You know, and all sorts of good stuff. Lots of fertile land. Um, the Mander is huge. You know, but then I love that when mm-hmm. I when I it was when I heard the description of Old Town, <laughs> I was like, oh, right. okay, all right. Now I now, now I sort of see. It. Yeah, you know that's true. It's it is interesting um, as you read it, but it's hard to tell because we don't really spend that much time in the Reach. Right. You know, yep. The Reach is the Reach is a region that we really don't. Um, we really don't talk a lot about Mm-mm. in nope be, yeah we just we just we hear about it into a, and we hear mm-hmm. how beautiful it is and the arbor wine and all that good stuff but um yeah, yeah. it's we we don't go there we're we're getting there right here at the end um in the, at the end of dance of dragons um or i'm sorry <clears throat> feast of crows and what have you like we're getting to that mm-hmm. point with sam and gilly but yeah i don't know um, something that I thought was kind of neat too is the uh, just looking at the map and looking at the lay of the land here. Um, we're going to talk about it in a second, but the the Shield Islands. And the more I think about the Shield Islands, like and I I I, I didn't realize I kind of forgot how much trouble the Iron Islands gave this region, which we're going to get to uh, a little bit later. So mm-hmm. quite a bit of trouble, and um, and the Arbor. I never realized that it was actually this island right off the mm-hmm. the tip there of the reach so it's actually not even connected it's it's um you know as Sir Matt just read it's across the red wine uh straight there so um and this is also I mean uh what's his name gosh one of the red wines has the mass the big fleet right so they're known for mm, yeah, having yeah. this massive fleet so yeah pretty neat mm-hmm. pretty neat stuff <clears throat> yeah um okay so now as we move on here uh you can't talk about the reach without talking about Garth Greenhand. Yeah. This is interesting. This is another one of these where we get like eight different stories from the Maesters. Oh, yeah. About, <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh, the story of the Reach begins with Garth Greenhand, the legendary um, progenitor not only of the Tyrells of Highgarden, but of the Gardener Kings before them, and all the other great houses and noble families of the Green Realm as well. A thousand tales are told of Garth in the Reach and beyond. Most are implausible and many contradictory. In some, he is a uh, contemporary of Bran the Builder, Land the Clever, uh, Durin God's Grief, and the other colorful figures of the Age of Heroes. In in others, he stands as the ancestor of them all. Garth was the High King of the First Men, it is written. It was he who led them out of the east and across the land bridge to Westeros. Yet other tales would have us believe that he preceded the arrival of the First Men by thousands of years, making him not only the first man in Westeros, but the only man, wandering the length and breadth of the land alone and treating uh, with the giants and the children of the forest. Some even say he was a god. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of yeah, kind of interesting there. Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, it's um, who is he? You know, that's I mean, we yeah. we just read everything about him, but but you can still ask the question, who is he? Uh, it's it's kind of crazy, you know. I, I think of him as like a, sort of a demigod, really, is what I always, when I first mm-hmm. read this, I was sort of like, well, you know, um, and, and I also thought too, someone um, you'll find out that the Gardner Kings, some of them are named, you know, uh, after Garth, 
you know, uh, Garth the First and so on and uh, what have you. But maybe, yeah, like like he's named after um, a god of some kind. I think you may, we'll talk here in a sec about his green hands and his green hair, and that he's also just known as um, Garth the Green. You know, mm-hmm. uh, which is again this fertility type of thing. So I'm thinking like a fertility god. You know. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> But one of the well, I, I think we're going to get there in a second. But the idea that he he was, uh, well, maybe we just read it that he was um, on uh, the uh, in Westeros all by himself. That he might have been not just right. one of the first men, but he might have been the only man there for a while. You know, um, as uh, yeah, you just, yeah, you just read that. Yeah, as he was the only man there wandering the links of the, the the land. And you had said earlier too that the Reach once was much more, you know, vast and. Um, it kind of uh, in, encompassed a lot more, um, some of the bordering kingdoms and stuff. And so during his right. time, yeah, it was, you know, they, he had quite a quite an influence. So yeah, uh, we yeah, another another point here uh, from 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 the book here. A few of the very oldest tales of Garth Greenhand present us with a considerably darker deity, one who demanded blood sacrifice from his worshippers to ensure a bountiful harvest. In some stories, the green god dies every autumn when the trees lose their leaves, only to be reborn with the coming of spring. This version of Garth is largely forgotten. Hmm. Find that find you know find find that interesting here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to skip ahead and just read something here, and then I'll go back to some of his children because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Garth Greenhand brought the gift of fertility with him. Uh, nor was it the, nor was it only the earth that he made, uh, f- uh, that he made fertile for the legends tell us that he could also make barren women fruitful with the touch. Wow. Even crones whose moon blood no longer flowed maidens ripened in his presence. Mothers brought forth twins or even triplets when he <clears throat> blessed them. Young girls flowered at his smile. Lords and common men alike offered up their virgin daughters to him wherever he went that their crops might ripen and their trees might grow heavy with fruit. There was never a maid he uh, deflowered who did not deliver a strong son or fair daughter nine moons later, or so the stories say. Wow, man. Yeah. And and here's the thing. We used to think, you know, Aegon the Unworthy was bad, you know? Yeah. I mean. Garth Greenhand, man. Really. And we praise this guy, and we want to be, you know, one of his des- his descendants, but... I mean, right. good grief! Yeah, I don't know. That's that's something. So yeah, he well, loved you know lo- some people. Kids. Some people are in the order of the Green Hand. Okay. Yeah, some people are. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about my. Yeah, I'm out on that. Yeah. So seems um, like a cult. All right. So yeah. Hey, maybe man, <laughs> maybe blood sacrifices and stuff. So. Some of the forgotten things about them. All right. right. <clears throat> um, some celebrated children of Garth Greenhand. Um, some of these I found kind of interesting. John the Oak, the first knight who brought chivalry to Westeros. A huge man, all agree, eight feet tall in some tales, 10 or 12 feet tall in others, sired by Garth Greenhand on a giantess. Yeah. Uh, his own descendants became the Oak Hearts of Old Oak. Um, Gilbert of the Vines, who taught men of the Arbor to make sweet wine from the grapes uh, that grew so fat and lush across their island, who founded House Red Wine. Mm-hmm. Floris the Fox, the cleverest of Garth's children, who kept three husbands, each ignorant of the existence of the others. Um, House 
House Florent, House Ball, and House Peak came from there. Um, Morris the Maid, the most fair, whose beauty was so renowned that 50 lords vied for her hand at the first tourney ever to be held in Westeros. The victor was gray, was the gray giant Argoth Stoneskin, but Maris wed King Uthor of the High Tower before he could claim her. And Argoth sent the rest of his days raging outside the walls of Old Town, roaring for his bride. Foss the Archer, renowned for his shooting apples off the head of any maid who took his fancy, um, from whom both the red and ap- and green apple fossaways trace their descent. Yeah, they are. Yep. Uh, Brandon of the Bloody Blade, who drove the giants from the Reach and warred against the children of the forest, slaying so many at Blue Lake that uh, it has been known as Red Lake ever since. Uh, Owen Oakenshield, who conquered the Shield Islands, driving the um, Selks and Merlings back into the sea. Harlon the Hunter and uh, Herdon the Horn, twin brothers who built a castle atop Hornhill and took to wife the beautiful Woods Witch who dwelled there, sharing uh, her favors for a hundred years. The brothers did not age so long as they embraced her whenever the moon was full. Hmm. Yeah, a, hand, a handful more here. Um, we have Boars the Breaker, um, and that's where we get House Bulwer mm-hmm. and Black Crown. Yep. Rose of Red Lake, a skin changer, able to transform into a crane at will. Um, a power some say still manifests from time to time to the women of House Crane, mm. her descendants. Um, Elwyn Eversweet, um, a, the yeah. girl who loved honey so much she shot out the king of the bees in his vast mountain's hive and made a pact with him to care for his children and his children's children for all time. So she was the first beekeeper and the mother to house Beesbury. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, I know. It's just crazy. Uh, Rowan Goldtree, who was so uh, uh, befet when her lover left her for a rich rival that she wrapped an apple in her golden hair, planted it upon a hill and grew a tree whose bark and leaves and fruit were gleaming yellow gold and whose daughters, the Rowans of uh, Golden Grove trace their roots. Yeah. Is it me or did it seem like the longer we went down that list of, of children, the more like uh, difficult. Yeah. Ridiculous and hard to believe it gets (laughs) right. It's funny. Yeah, you know, the one that I found that kind of the most interesting, though, was uh, Brandon of the Bloody Blade, who drove the giants from the Reach and warred against the children of the forest. Yeah. Yep. Because there's another Brandon who I can think of who interacted with the children of the forest uh-huh. and the giants. Yeah, and they actually say, I mean, that Brandon, I mean, some people say, right, this is one of those things where they say back and forth that right. um, Brandon the Builder might have been uh, offspring of Brandon yeah. the Bloody Blade, you know, or the yeah. same person. You know, or yeah, or the same person or, you know, did Garth was Garth Greenhand one of, you know, was he around in the time of Age of Heroes with Bran the Builder or mm-hmm. was he before? So, yeah, we, we will find out. Um, so as a where are you at on that? Do you think that he is more of a of a god like person or just a, it's a tall tale? Um, <clears throat> Well, let's see, I think I think he might have just been like one because you have in the second year, like the Gardener Kings, which I know they're going to trace their roots back to someone who was called Garth Greenhand, you know, right. and so there's something there that there was someone uh, who maybe did great deeds and, and things. Um, how the tale gets, you know, told that he's had that much influence or lived that long is, is sort of crazy. There's actually something going on with this whole age of heroes because 
Like right. it's something that people. There's a lot of time between the age of heroes. You get the and then the like the long night and then what happened after that. You know what I mean? So people re- seem to remember the age of heroes uh, and the stories are told there, uh, but then not a lot after the long night, which is interesting right. to me. So I think it's one of those things that they just the time gets kind of confusing. I think they just are actual characters, um, and he does have. You know, he's just someone who is he is a real a real person um, who maybe did help lead people, you know, across the 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 bridge. Who was part right. of the first men who who led, um, you know, folk into Westeros. Um, <clears throat> maybe he had been there before, too. And so he knew it really well and he knew the best place to go. And so but it, it, you, you had to lead people across and through Dorne. It's kind of one of those things like people who just. When you're when you're following Moses in the desert, and you know, and you're kind of like, I'm, right. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm abandon ship here because this guy seems kind of crazy. But if he had been there before and they 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 stuck it out, right. maybe they get to how long? The reach. How long was it? Four, forty years oh, there with Moses in the desert. This Moses guy doesn't know where he's going. You know? Yeah, man. I yeah. After you know, after about after about six weeks, I'd be like, all right, man. So, yeah. You know, something's, up. <laughs> something's up. We should have been there by now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And and he sets up, and then just his descendants might have been named after him, you know, one of those things like, right? Know. And and back in those days, they may not have been like Garth the first, Garth the second. Yeah, yeah, they just right, right. Well, look how many Aegons you've got, you know. So well, and well, even how many how many Walder Freys are there? You know, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so all right, yeah. So I mean, we'll find out more. Uh, maybe we'll find out a little bit more with Fire and Blood. You know, I've, that's something else I think with Fire and Blood is we'll actually still get some other histories tied in there. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not just going to be all old Targaryen stuff. You know, we'll we'll get more histories and, and legends and things. So yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead here a little <laughs> bit um, past Andals and the Reach and go to the Old Town section. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, no history of the Reach is complete without a look at Old Town, the most grand and ancient of cities, still the richest, largest, and most beautiful in all of Westeros, even if King's Landing has eclipsed it as the most populous. Now, hold on a second here. Yeah. It just said that Old Town was as large as King's Landing. Yeah, right. So, so what? I know. It's as large. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, is is it is it large? Is is it the the, the population is that we're looking large, at? Is it as large or is it almost as large? Because those are two different things. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, how old is Old Town truly? Many a maester has pondered that question, but we simply do not know. The origins of the city are lost in the mists and time, and clouded by legend. Some ignorant septims. Whoa! Wow! Whoa! Again, you see, can this see is the who, maester. Look at the yeah. You can clear yeah. As as we've said, you can clearly see who's writing this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some ignorant septons claim that the seven themselves laid out its boundaries. Other men, uh, oh, other men that dragons once roosted on the Battle Isle until the first uh, high tower put an end to many of them. Man, many small folk believe the high tower itself simply appeared one day. The full and true history of the founding of Old Town will likely never be known. We can state with certainty, however, that men have lived in the mouth of the honey wine since the Dawn Age. The oldest runic wet records confirm this, as do certain fragmentary accounts that have come down to us from maesters who live amongst the children of the forest. Mm. One such, uh, Maester Jellicoe, suggests that the set that the settlement 
at the top of Whispering Sound began as a trading post where ships from Valyria, Old Gis, and the Summer Isles put in to replenish their provisions, make repairs, and barter with the elder races that seemed as likely a, a supposition as any. Yet mysteries remain. The Stony Island, where the High Tower stands, is known as Battle Isle, even in our oldest records. But why? What battle was fought there? When? Between which lords? Which kings? Which races? Even the singers are largely silent on these matters. Mm, yeah. It's interesting. Well, we had a raven about that. We were talking about that uh, been weeks mm-hmm. ago, months ago maybe, about what's going on with Battle Island. You know, what, what history mm-hmm. does it have? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then, then it goes on here a little bit. Um, let's get past that next paragraph here and go to this one. Who built it? This is in terms of like the high tower and, and everything. Yeah. When, why, most maesters accept the common wisdom that declares it to be of old Valyrian construction. For its massive walls and labyrinth interiors are all of solid rock with no hint of joints or mortar nor chisel marks of any kind, a type of construction that is seen elsewhere, most noticeably in the the dragon roads of the freehold of Valyria and the black walls that protect the heart of old Volantis. The dragon lords of Valyria, as is well known, possessed the art of turning stone to liquid with dragon flame, shaping it as they would, then fusing it harder than iron, steel, or granite. Mm. If indeed this first fortress is Valyrian, it suggests that the dragon lords came to Westeros thousands of years before they carved out their outpost on Dragonstone, long before the coming of the Andals or even the First Men. If so, did they come seeking trade? Were they were they slavers, mayhap seeking after giants? Did they seek to learn the magic of the children of the forest with their green seers and their weirwoods? Or was there perhaps a darker purpose? That's a lot of good questions. And that's a mm-hmm. really, really cool uh, bit when you look at Hightower itself and its construction. Uh, and for them to say that they believe it's the Targaryens, I think is really cool. Could have been another outpost. It yeah, looks the, like the Valyrians. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like a, a, a lighthouse, you know, is it really does. what it looks like. Um, right. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I love that idea that, but the question is why are they there and, and who are they fighting mm-hmm. with near battle Island? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, listen to this. So then, then it goes on here. Um, an even more fanciful, uh, possibility was put forth a century ago by Maester Theron, Born a bastard on the islands, Theron noted a certain likeness between the black stone of the ancient fortress um, and that of the sea stone chair, the high seat of House Greyjoy of Pike, whose origins are similarly ancient and mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was about to say, uh, you know, there's that chair that was there, and we don't know how it got there. The right. sea stone chair, we don't really know. And then we also have this, you know this 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 tower that's there and we don't know how it got there right yeah so <clears throat> yeah it's almost like that yeah there was some ancient civilization there were other people that you know a long almost almost like there's a long night that it came before the long night that we know about you know mm-hmm. it's sort of like they they when they show up i mean i almost wonder if when the first men show up this stuff that was that tower there you see maybe that that's crazy to think about right they show up and it's like well yeah. Uh, the Valyrians were already here, and this is this is one of their abandoned towers or something. Right. Well. 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 You know. Yeah. It goes a little bit further here. So that Maester Theron, um, 
he has a manuscript that they you know, they they question it called Strange Stone. It postulates that both Fortress and Seat might be the work of a queer mis mishappen race of half men sired by the creatures of the salt seas upon human women. These deep ones, as he names them, are the seed from which. Um, our legends of Merlings have grow, he argues, whilst their terrible fathers uh, are the truth behind the drowned god of the Ironborn. Hmm. Wow. And we do have the Manderleys, right? Yeah. Who's there? And if you look at their sigil of House <clears throat> Mander, that's what it looks like. It's like a, you know, Merlin. It's like a, you know. Yes. Yep. It is. Like a merman. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's radical. So are they saying are they saying that the that the the chair and the tower are made from the same stone? Is that what they're kind of saying? They're, they're, they're they're, that's that's what this Maester Theron is saying. Who is also who is from the Iron Islands is saying they, see. they seem quite similar. Gotcha. Well, and it's on the coast there. It's a lighthouse of kinds. So maybe yeah, maybe it's right. not. They're argu- Maybe it's not Valerian at all. You know, maybe it is something right. from the something else. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It, it, I mean, and it's possible, right? That you know, we know the children and the giants were over here, and we are not entirely sure about the White Walkers. We know that they either showed up, or you know, the show leads us to believe that the children made them. Yeah. Um. You know, we don't exactly know, but if they were, if they did exist, and they were here, um, and maybe they just never pushed south. Um, then that then that means like four races of people were over here. This yeah. other mysterious one we don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be crazy. That's absolutely. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Huh. Which is which is all which is all interesting. So, um, yeah. So it's all it's all quite quite well, interesting. So, um, are you go ahead? Well, I was to say one last thing before you go into like the Tyrells there or whatever. The um, oh, look, there's a strong correlation between. You know, when I was reading this, I kept seeing over and over the like the enemy of House Gardner um, was the mm-hmm. Ironborn. You know, it was sort of the those right. Iron Islands. And so, is there something? You know, it, it doesn't go into a whole lot. It maybe it, it always makes it seem like they're just, um, oh, you know, uh, reaping and reaving. But like, maybe they're actually trying to re- reclaim something that they think is theirs. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. There's just a strong correlation to uh those two groups and so interesting that there's also a correlation between the 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 seat and the tower Mm -hmm. so yeah and then the citadel itself um the the origins of the citadel are almost as mysterious as those of the high tower itself most most credits its founding to the second son of uthor of the high tower um and you know, Prince uh, Paramore, the the twisted, a sickly boy, boy with a withered arm and twisted back. Par- uh, or Paramore was bedridden for much of his short life, but had an insatiable curiosity about the world beyond his window. So he turned to wise men, teachers, priests, healers, and singers, along with a certain number of wizards, alchemists, and sorcerers. It is said that the prince had no greater pleasure in life than... Um, listening to these scholars argue with one another. When uh, Paramore died, his brother, King uh, Uragon, bequeathed a large tact of land beside the honey wine to Paramore's pets, that they might establish themselves and continue teaching, learning, and uh, questing after the truth. And so they did. And so that's kind of how the Citadel got right. started. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Bunch, is, of, you know, bunch of old guys is... arguing about stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
that's funny. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, House Tyrell. Um, the the Tyrells were never kings. The royal blood flows in their veins. Sir Alistair Tyrell, the founder of the line, was an Andal adventurer who became the, a, the champion and sword shield to King Gawain the Fifth Gardener, mm-hmm. one of the three sage kings. His eldest son became a noble knight as well, only to die in a tourney. His second son, Gareth, was a more bookish bent and never achieved knighthood, choosing to serve as a royal steward and said, it is from him today that the Tyrells descend. Oh, wow. Gareth Tyrell and his son Leo performed their duties so ably that the gardeners made the office of high steward hereditary. Uh, through the centuries, many ger- generations of the Tyrells served in that capacity. Many became close confidants and advisors to their kings. Some also acted as Castilians in time of war. At least one ruled the Reach as regent during the minority of King Garland IV. King Giles III, gardener, declared the Tyrells to be my most loyal servants, and King Myrn IV was so pleased with them that he gave Sir Robert Tyrell uh, the hand of his youngest daughter in marriage, thereby, thereby allowing his their sons, grandsons, and all generations follow to <clears throat> claim descendants from Garth Greenhand. Yeah. And then we know, of course, once Aegon the Conqueror comes over, the gardeners get kind of wiped out. Yeah. And, and well, yeah. <clears throat> that's neat because, I mean, that's part of the, you know, the remember how um, we had talked about the Andals and their influence and how they basically just came over and married in to all of these different first men groups, you know, that's a, that's a, mm-hmm. an example yeah. right there of house Tyrell coming in and getting to marry into, um, house Gardner and getting to claim some, some of that descendancy from, uh, from Gareth Greenhand. So that's kind of yeah. neat. It says nine more, nine more unions, uh, kind of happened afterwards too. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, then we have our coat of arms here. Um, some of the just some of the bigger houses in the reach. Uh, we have obviously the Tyrells, um, Caswell, Florent, Fossilway, Gardner, Hightower, Merryweather, uh, Mullendore, Oakhart, Redwine, Rowan, Tarley, and Ashford. So those are all actually names that we have we have heard of for the most part. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not not always the case, but uh, yeah, the reach the reach is one where you definitely hear about a lot of people. We just haven't spent a lot of time in the reach yeah. in <clears throat> the main series. Right. Um, in Duncan Egg, we do. We we um, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I think time. it was made too. You know, right? We spend time at Ashford. You know, Ashford um, Ashford Meadow. That's the first book. The second book, you're dealing with. Um, Rowan Weber, right? That's in the reach. That's, you know, closer to Dorne and stuff like that. So, right. yeah. Yep, those uh those characters from from the reach are often like in King's Landing or around the action, but they're 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 far from home. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. really how we know the, those names. Uh but, Right, and we will, yeah. and we will in the show because in the show when Sam is going to Old Town, obviously, in the Citadel. So, you know, that is technically in the reach. Um yeah. we just don't really it's not. It's not like out in the fields and stuff, but right. You know, yeah, and that, that's yeah. that's late though. We, uh, so we just we just got that. You know, it's sort of like right. This whole time we've been hearing about it. And we hear about High Garden, and there's a beautiful picture here. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. where we're going next is High Garden, but it's yep. it's honestly beautiful. It's one of the um, largest, best yep. you know, keeps in all of Westeros. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, so, um, all right, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about High Garden here. The great castle of High Garden, the ancient seat of the Tyro lords and the gardener kings before them, sips atop a verdant hill overlooking the broad and tranquil waters of the Mander. Seen from afar, the castle looks so much a part of the land one could think it had grown there rather than being built. Uh, many consider Highgarden to be the most beautiful castle in all of the Seven Kingdoms, a claim that only the men of the Vale see fit to dispute. Um, the hill from which Highgarden rises is neither steep nor stony, but broad in extent with gentle slopes and a pleasing symmetry. Um, from the castle's walls and towers, a man can see from leagues in all directions across orchards and meadows and fields of flowers, including the golden roses of the reach that have long been the sigil of house Tyrell. Um, high garden is girded by three symmetric rings of, um, I don't even know what that word is. Uh, something, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Three curtain walls made of finely, um, dressed white stones and protected by towers as slender and graceful as maidens. Each wall is higher and thicker than the ones below it between the outermost wall, the girdles, uh, the foot of the hill and the middle wall above it can be found. Uh, it can be found high gardens famed uh, briar maze, a vast and complicated labyrinth of thorns and hedges maintained for centuries for all the pleasure and delight of the castle's occupants and guests and for defensive purposes. That's ridiculous. Oh, hey, you got to get through. Our, you got to get through our corn maze to, <laughs> right. uh, to, to, to you know, <laughs> to, to, to fight us. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, go ahead. Well, I was to say uh, one thing that's kind of interesting about their wealth, about the Tyrells and Highgarden, their 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 wealth. There's a comparison made between um, how you know it, it talks about um, Gareth Greenhand and all of his children, and actually says that Land the Clever might have been one of his children um or in other rumors they say that land probably just showed up and pretended to be one of his um children so that he could win some inheritance and so really that it kind of puts a dark mark on that lannister money uh being that it's you know money won by uh you know um trickery you know i'm saying right so that was kind of neat because it does talk about how they're second uh in wealth only to the um uh lannisters you know but when you look at high garden here it makes you wonder um now now the tyrells were were the stewards they were taking care of everything you know so mm-hmm. managing the money well doing managing everything um you know so they obviously are good at that uh but uh and one of the more powerful houses in the in, in the reach during the time that the gardeners were there but how much money and how much power did the gardeners have you know, yeah, that's really what I'm, oh, I'm exactly when you look at the this keep and you look at uh, the wealth of this land. I mean, they have to be, you know, considered one of the and I think when we were reading about Aegon's conquest, the other uh, kingdoms seem to kind of like, you know, give way a little bit to, to the high king. They called him the high king mm-hmm. uh, of of, gar- of high, uh, House Gardner. So <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. There's definitely something to be reckoned with. And I think that's sort of why. That uh, other project that we, uh, the other, oh, group of the other order of the Green Hand, um, right, is so intrigued by by these folks is because of that wealth and the them being the High King and, and you know Gareth uh, Garth Greenhand being uh, the influencer that he is uh, and and having basically his hands or his seed in everything, you know. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is kind of it for our, our study there of the uh, the reach. We have. Uh, oh, I guess we do. Have, we have. We have two left. Uh, I was mistaken. We have the Stormlands and Dorn. So. Yeah, we kind of forget about Dorn. You know. Yeah, I know. Does it doesn't even count. Does it matter? Know, so. All right, yeah, I'm so we, we have Stormlands. Yes, <laughs> it does. So we have uh, the Stormlands and Dorn, and then uh, Fire and Blood. So, all okay. right. Well, um, Sir Ezra, do you want to go ahead and dive into Bran 5? Yeah, Bran 5, uh, for sure. We've got some, um, we got some recaps yeah, and so, stuff to do, too. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, yeah, so last week we were talking about Daenerys 4. Um, the Kalasar had entered Vase Dothrak as they ride up the... God's way, Daenerys discovered the pros and cons of Dothraki combat skill with Sir Jorah Mormont. Once they had settled in, Daenerys had invited Viserys to sup with her and make a peace offering by giving, you know, offering him new clothes. He became <clears throat> angry and grabbed her, and she hit him hard with his belt and told him to leave. Yeah. Um, the last time we were with Bran, we were in Bran 4. Bran is roused from his depression when he is called to the Great Hall of Winterfell to receive Tyrion Lannister. Despite Rob's rudeness, Tyrion provides uh, plans for a saddle that will allow Bran to ride a horse once more. This time we are in Bran 5. During his ride outside Winterfell since his fall, Bran learns of Jaime Lannister's attack on his father. Rob goes ahead to find the direwolves, and Bran is attacked by six outlaws. Rob returns with the direwolves and defeats all but one. The last man holds a dagger to Bran's throat until Theon kills him with an arrow from behind. Osha, the only survivor, is taken captive. <clears throat> Kind of have this yep. split up into two parts here. We have the ride and what if you would have missed. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, <clears throat> um, the, like I said at the top of the show, this is kind of a, a pretty straightforward uh, chapter. Chapter, And, yeah. um, you know, very, very much goes along with what, what you see in the show. Um, it's neat because you get this, uh, the way this is lined up, you know, Bran actually hears about, the, you know, um, Tyrion getting taken uh, by his mother, right. and yet he's the one who gave him this great gift, this ability to ride again, and uh, to ride this new horse. Um, I think the horse's name is um, <clears throat> Dreamer, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. they've trained this horse to the point where, you know, he can basically just use touch uh, with his hands and with and use his voice to command this horse. So Joseph and those guys have done a, a, a really good job, you know, in, in preparing... Or, or training uh, this horse for Bran. So he's really excited, you know, and he's ready to kind of uh, go out and ride with his brother and uh, and Theon and the other guys and just get out of uh, Winterfell for a little bit. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so, uh, let's see, they they actually, and the an important part here, they, they take their direwolves with them. You know, reoccurring right. theme, keep the direwolves close. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know, it's something that uh, Catelyn will see later and she um, <clears throat> mentions is, important she goes back and looks at all the different events and things that have happened to Bran and when summer's near it's a good thing you know so always there to kind of help all right yeah <clears throat> yeah so uh yeah it, it starts and um Bran is Bran's outside you know it's it's snowing and he's he's finally sitting on his horse man yes you know Tyrion Tyrion the last time you know the last time he saw Tyrion Tyrion gave him you know a, a plan so he could ride Mm-hmm. You could ride a horse, get that special saddle made. Yep. Um, 
and 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 uh, so he's at least he's able to ride and you know Bran is you know Bran's feeling good yeah absolutely yeah who wouldn't I mean that's been taken away from him so now you know he's he always wanted to be a knight and it's like now he right. has this chance to at least ride again you know right so yeah do you think yeah do you think Bran will ever ride a horse again <clears throat> I don't know um maybe they're gonna have to get the special saddle again maybe you know Trade up a horse, right? I mean, I don't know. Right. That's yeah. a good question. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting at the start of this chapter, when they're going through Wintertown, um, mm-hmm. they travel through there and they notice that it's not very, it's pretty dead right now. You know, there's right. not a lot of people there. and They just kind of mention that as winter gets closer, it will become packed. So I didn't really, right. I didn't realize how that functioned, you know, and that that's basically right. This safe haven where people can kind of come together and support each other right outside of the uh, Winterfell Keep. So, because mm-hmm. Brienne later on in in the series will be there. Um, no, is it Brienne? Who is that? Someone's trying to communicate. No, that's uh, that's in the show, isn't it? Where she's trying to communicate. Right. Yeah. Later on, which I hope happens in the book. I hope we see someone in this town sort of working to get Jane Poole and others out of uh, Winterfell. <clears throat> but anyways. Let's see. So, yeah, they're moving through there, and I just thought that was kind of interesting, uh, you know. All right. <clears throat> it's cold. Yeah, so, winter's coming. Uh, yeah, it's cold. Winter's coming. Um, they go out, you know, they, they, they go they go out to the, to the you know, as the, like the woods kind of as, as they're getting ready to ride. Um, and, you know, it's kind of interesting, actually, is uh, this is where we get a little bit more of Rob. And um, Rob is, you know, Bran, Bran can tell something's kind of wrong yeah. with Rob. And Rob kind of um, gives him the news, you know, Uncle Benjamin still hasn't been found and their mother has, t- has you know, took Tyrion Lannister um, captive. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and Bran is trying to remember about the Lannister. He's like, there's something I should remember. There's something I should remember. And then he kind of just gets dizzy yeah. um, and, and, he, and he can't he can't forget it. Right. Or he can't remember, I should say. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So it it's interesting. And that's something we still, we, you know, we don't we don't know is that. Um, in the show, right? Like, what's going to happen when Jamie? Because Jamie Lannister is riding north to Winterfell. Yeah. So what's going to happen when he gets there? And he is he going to have an interaction with Bran? That could be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, he'd probably point now out that, say, now that Bran. Now that Bran would, you know, I'm assuming will know what happened since he can like see everything. Uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> it's also one of those things where it's sort of like what. Um, Oh, the Onion Knight when he with Melisandre, you know, saying if I see you again, I'm going to kill you. I almost wonder if that uh, seeing Jamie Lannister is going to be one of those little contentious things where um, he sees him and he he knows what he did, but he can't kill him, you know, because I don't think right. I don't think the Onion Knight's going to be able to kill Melisandre or that anyone's going to mm-hmm. take her head for anything. Right. So, you know, that's just sort of it's it's just Gur's writing style, and I think maybe you know um, those characters, even though a death sentence has been put upon Melisandre, she's going to live. And then Jamie Lannister, same type of thing. They might be in a situation where Bran's like, well, he's got to, we need him, you know, <clears throat> got to look past yeah. it. But uh, dark wings, dark words. Yeah. So they, they definitely. Yeah, I know. There's another, there's another, you know, time that, that shows up. Yep. Um, and he, he, Bran kind of just talks more about too, like what it's been like without his parents, you know, and how Rob is mm-hmm. really burdened down, as you said, and he's just spending most of his days locked behind closed doors. With Maester Lewin, um, right, and that's not fun. He's got to spend a lot of time with Rickon, so he's really looking mm-hmm. forward to this time to be out 
with Theon and, and Rob, um, especially Rob. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, right. And Rob and I like that Rob Rob does kind of trying to cheer him up a little bit. Um, he he rides at one point he rides closer to him and he's like, "You're doing well, Bran." Bran says, "I want to go faster," and Rob says, "You know, as you will." And he you know, lets him lets him go a little faster. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a line right here. Um, he snapped the reins, smooth as silk. Dancer slid into a gallop. The distance closed. By the time he caught Rob in the edge of the Wolfswood, two miles beyond the Wintertown, they had left the others well behind. I can ride, Bran shouted, grinning as it felt almost as good as flying. Yeah. Almost as good as flying. Almost as good as flying. Yeah. What, what, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's the same type of thing when he gets into those wolf dreams, you know? Right. He it's sort of a pull. It's just pull back and forth between the two. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Because remember, remember, yeah, where, um, yeah, when he he has that he has that dream and uh, Blood Raven is you know kind of forcing him mm-hmm. like you know fly or die. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 interesting. <clears throat> um, you know, and then and then but then it goes on Rob and Rob's like I'd race you, but I think you'd win. Um, you know, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. So. Yeah, but all right. So they they're they're moving into the the forest here, and um, mm. <clears throat> it looks like well, and, and again the news with Jory really really hit Bran right. pretty hard, and so right. as they travel through this forest, he comes to a spot where uh, a little stream or river is running through, mm-hmm. and they used to catch trout with Jory, you know, and so he's right he's upset about that, and Jory was somebody who was really well respected and well liked in in Winterfell, um, so that sucks, you know. Right, but um, and then they wonder about John. You know, they've they've got this yep. news about Benjamin, um, their father. You know, their mother. They've getting all this news, and and you know, Bran wants to know about John, and whether he'll come to visit or not. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he's, uh, Rob just yeah. reassures him that you know, in time, maybe he he will. Benjamin did before, so um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah. So then then the, then the wolves howl, and Rob kind of goes off to find him and he tells brand yeah. to, to stay there right uh and then and then that's 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 where we kind of move into the second part of this of this chapter uh and that's when the kind of um i don't yeah the the wildlings start uh, to creep out as we know yeah. start to yeah start to creep out uh four four ragged men and two women surround him uh, Bram can tell they're neither foresters nor farmers, and suddenly he remembers, uh, you know, how richly he's dressed, right? Like he's yeah. he's kind of grabbing his tunic. He's like, oh, it's like new silk, um, right, right. And he gets he's starting he's starting to get a little nervous. Yeah, absolutely. These are not good looking, friendly folk, <laughs> um, right? And we learn that there are four men. I think you said this: four men, two women, um, and uh, yeah. And actually, what was interesting is I think a couple of them, two of them at least, are deserters from yeah. the wall so mm-hmm. maybe they've seen the whites together i actually do you know what i think this is i, I don't know if asha ever uh explains it but you know when uh, in the very beginning we happen across a couple a couple you know uh, the, the prologue of all of this the night's watch guys are going north there looking for um a pack of <clears throat> wildlings that's true that's true yep. yeah i think it might have been another group who came across some wildlings and these were the ones who got away you know, mm-hmm. that's really what I think it is. And they kind of uh, um, bonded and formed this pack that just was like, we're out of here. You know, like we've got to get south, you know, and, and, and things. So they they're bonded over that because it's kind of odd, isn't it? You've got two two crows and you've got a couple wildlings. So, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. <clears throat> Anyways. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they asked him some questions. All alone, are you? Um, lost in the Wolfswood, poor lad. Uh, yeah. I'm not lost, Bran says. My brother just rode off a moment ago, and my guard will be here uh, shortly. Right. Your guard is a second man instead. Um, and what would they be guarding, my little lord? Is that a silver pin I see there on your cloak? Pretty, a woman's voice said. Um, let's have a look at it, you know, and they're kind of approaching him. Um, and then Bran, and then Bran says, um, no man is more dangerous. Right, uh, right up here. The graced southern man wore black rags, too. He saw uh, with a sudden start. Suddenly, Bran remembered the oath breaker his father had beheaded the day they had found the mm-hmm. wolf's pups. Yep. Uh, the man had worn black as well, and father had said that he had been a deserter from the Night's Watch. No man is more dangerous, he remembered Lord Eddard saying. The deserter knows his life is forfeit if he is taken, so he will not flinch from any crime, no matter how vile or cruel. Uh, the pin lad, the big man said, he held out his hand. We'll take the horse, too. Um, and this is where he says, like, I can't get off my horse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And then, they, yeah, straps. <clears throat> yeah. You, they ask him if he's, if he's kind of a, a cripple. Um, and the one guy says, the boy is a Stark, true enough. Only a Stark would be fool enough to threaten uh, uh, to threaten where a smarter man would beg. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, Bran's got the, the right of it in that these guys are deserter. I mean, the two that are deserters definitely will do anything because they know you know, like so. In the end, uh, so not to jump too far ahead, but like, why wouldn't these guys just surrender? Well, because mm-hmm. that means they're by surrendering, that just means that their lives are over. If if mm-hmm. they do that, you know, they know that they're they're going to be branded deserters, and the and the law is that, you know, um, death is their penalty. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then their watch will end. <laughs> yeah. So and so this this is interesting. Um, where she says, uh, "You're stupid as stupid as you are ugly, Holly." The said the tall woman. The boy's worth nothing dead, but alive. Gods be damned! Think what Mance would give to us to have Benjamin Stark's own blood to hostage. Mance be damned! The big man cursed. You want to go back there, Osha? More fool, uh, more fool you. Think what the White Walkers uh, will care if you have a hostage. He turned his back to Bran and slashed the strap around his thigh. Mm-hmm. The leather parted with a sigh. Uh, but it's just we haven't heard about Mance Raider in a while. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, and they directly, yeah. you know, talk about White Walkers. It's almost too bad someone besides Bran doesn't hear this, you know, mm-hmm. because of the way that they talk about them, it's just like as if they are, they're real. Mm-hmm. You know, if that makes sense, because we think we know that they are, but like the other characters in the story don't really have any sense of urgency concerning the White Walkers. And so mm-hmm. for him to say that is kind of a big deal. And, uh, you know, yeah, and so you, you see Asha's um, alliance uh, or loyalty to Mance there as well, as you say. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, but then essentially, what happens is um, uh, this <clears throat> is where Rob comes out. You know, put down your steel now, and I promise you shall all have a quick and painless death. Rob called out. Bran looked up in desperate hope, and there he was. Yep. Um, yeah, but it's funny. It's like the strength of his words were undercut by the way his voice cracked with strain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like mine right now. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. And uh, he says, "Don't be a fool, lad. You're one against six. The tall woman, Osha, leveled her spear off the horse and threw it on the sword. And we'll think, uh, we'll thank you kindly for the mount and the venison." Uh, Rob whistled uh, and heard the faint sound of soft feet on wet leaves. Um, and gray wind and summer emerged from the green. Summer sniffed the air and growled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wolves, gasped Holly. Dire wolves, Bran said. Right. 
Right. Still half grown, they were as large as any wolf he's ever seen, but the differences were easy to spot if you knew what to look for. Right. So they kind of go over the differences um, of of the wolves mm-hmm. there, but yeah, um, <clears throat> they, they uh, this is where the fight happens though. This is they basically mm-hmm. uh, take these guys on, and I love that Rob shouts Winterfell. Yeah, <laughs> as, as he's you know as 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 he's as he's riding in. And um, Rob and Osha fight a little bit, and she's yeah. she actually does you know she does she does okay, and then you know Summer and Grey Wind kind of uh, kind of take care of like the rest um, yep. of them of them pretty pretty fast, but um, ultimately what ends up happening happening is um, you know Bran gets kind of taken hostage essentially. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And uh, this is I mean your your title for this was what you know what if you would have missed you know. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting there, and Rob has to. He, he tells him to lay his sword down, and uh, right. Rob doesn't. You know what's he gonna do? You know, I mean, <clears throat> right? He might. I mean, this is where that line coming back about this guy will. He'll do it. I mean, he'll do whatever it takes to get out mm-hmm. of here, uh, because mm-hmm. he's a deserter, and his life is right. is no good. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he 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 can't be resent to the wall. You know what I'm saying, or or mm-hmm. or what have you. So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and so you know, the, and so here, so he's got he's got Bran, and um, they're saying you know, saying he uh, says this your brother? Yes, you want him alive? You do what I say. Off the horse. Rob hesitated a moment, then slowly and deliberately dismounted and stood with his sword in hand. Now kill the wolves. Rob did not move. You do it. The wolves or the boy? No. Bran screamed. If Rob did what they asked, Stiv would kill them both anyway. Once the dire wolves were dead, the bald man took hold of his hair with the free hand and twisted it cruelly till Bran sobbed in pain. You shut your mouth, cripple, you hear me. Uh, he twisted harder, you hear me. A low thrum came from the woods behind him. Stiv gave a choked gasp and half a foot of razor-tipped uh, broadhead suddenly exploded out of his chest. The arrow was bright red as if it had been painted in blood. Um, yeah. You know, and that's that's Theon, that's Theon with, uh, you know, with, with the arrow and then... Um, Osha's kind of left, and she asks for mercy. Yeah, well, interesting point about the arrow. I mean, it's like well, how long of I mean, half a foot stuck out from his right. chest. You know, that's, that's enough to that's... pierce Bran. You know, yeah, for oh, sure, absolutely, and kill him. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, so I can kind of you know you kind of see there why Rob is is upset. Like, wow, you really, I mean, I mean, Theon's maybe just a great shot. You know, right. So I don't know. It's thought that was kind of interesting because you always wonder like why why not take the shot I mean otherwise what's how do you, how do you get out of this you know yeah I mean what's I mean what's the worst <laughs> you know what's the worst thing that happens you right. know, like yeah, yeah. so yeah. um yeah anyway so uh they end up taking Osha as right they end up taking Osha as kind of a hostage yeah, and uh right as a prisoner and uh Rob and uh Theon kind of get into it he says you know what if you had missed? What if you had only wounded him? What if you had made his hand jump or hit Bran instead? For all you knew, the man might have been wearing a breastplate. All you could see was the back of his cloak. What would have happened uh, to my brother then? Did you ever think of that? And then Theon just kind of like stands there. It's like, well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah, like, <clears throat> yeah. And yeah. then they, and it, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to say, it, it's pretty, and it's, it's pretty much the same way in the show. There's just, because I actually, I just watched it. Yeah. Um, and there's there's just less people. Um, there's only like three of them or something in in, in the show. But other right. than that, it pretty yeah. much goes down exactly the same way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and Asha is actually pretty tall in in uh, mm-hmm. in the books here. She's like um, 
you know, tall with that, that spear, you know, so, mm-hmm. I don't know, really, really, uh, got a different look on her, I, I think, but <clears throat> she's fierce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, basically they just take her captive, and that's kind of that's kind of the end of the chapter. So, yeah, again, it's pretty much um, if you like this is a this is one of those chapters where if you kind of miss it, um, you can pretty much just watch the HBO scene and get the gist of it. Uh, it's you know pretty much the same. It's just more. I would, it's more of like a transition chapter to kind of introduce. Osha. Yeah. Well, and also really is telling information yeah. to other characters of Winterfell, letting them know that. Mm-hmm. What what's happening down in King's Landing with their parents and stuff, you know? Right. So. Yeah. 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 So other other than that, it's 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 a pretty it's pretty straightforward uh, chapter. So right. Um. All right. Well, uh, Sir Ezra, do we have any ravens? Uh. Yeah. Or we should. Sh- I go ahead, or should I go ahead and give the trivia question? Yeah. Let's do trivia. There you go. All right. So trivia question for next week will be. You know, we're gonna throw everybody off because some people are gonna be like, Oh wait. I thought it was going to be in Fallout Friday. Well, you should have listened to last Fallout. That's Friday. right. Know yeah. What's going on? So, all right. So, trivia question uh, for next week: um, Who is the captain of the Iron Victory? Who is the captain of the Iron Victory? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good one. Let's, let's move on over to <clears throat> send, a send us a raven. All right. Uh, remember, you can send all of your ravens to btkcast at gmail dot com, um, and this is. Um, Amanda Richardson. So, just um, recently got acquainted with her, and uh, she's one of our newest patrons, and uh, we wanted to give her a shout-out. She says, uh, hi, obviously I'm new. Uh, I'm a new patron here, literally signed up just the other day, um, and uh, so she's working. We're going to work on her sigil and uh, with her. Uh, she is a sworn banner woman to House Tyrell. So, I thought it was kind of cool. We just talked about House Tyrell today, so it kind of fit <clears throat> perfectly. Uh, she said, I'm really glad to uh, be able to support the cast, and I hope to be able to listen uh, for a long time. And we hope that you do as well. Uh, she's actually mm-hmm. one of the uh, of our patrons who signed up to, uh, you know, kind of talk with us and speak with us uh, during the Raven's Nest episodes. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be awesome to kind of get her perspective on. Abs- yeah, absolutely. And the theories. Raven's and right. And the Raven's Nest uh, is coming. It's it's coming soon. Sir Ezra and I are still uh, we're we're. Still kind of restructuring things, uh, yeah. getting getting all getting all that going. But uh, yeah, we have we have that coming soon. We have the um, the Black Council, the Sworn Sword. Yep. Uh, second part of the Duncan Egg series coming soon. Exactly. So, yeah, lots lots of things coming, and Fire and Blood is coming. You know, oh. <clears throat> at the end of at the end of this month, so that's going to be awesome as well. Yeah. Also, I wanted to give another quick shout out just to Sam the Hammer. I know we did. Uh, I think last last Friday, uh, but just the he, um, I went back and read uh, his Raven about just feedback. He gives some really good feedback and things that we can kind of do to help um, the Patreon and to help kind of structure, you know, that a little bit and put it on a on a good schedule for you guys. Um, we put mm-hmm. we drop stuff once a month, and so sometimes our schedules are crazy and we have to kind of finagle things. But we'll try <clears throat> best we can to kind of uh, let you guys know when those are coming and maybe get some feedback. Uh, after we get through these topics that we have, we want to get some of your thoughts and ideas and let you guys kind of pick the topic and see what we can come mm-hmm. up with. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, all, all right. Well, Sir Ezra, I think that is uh, that is our show for this week. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I apologize, guys, that I'm, I'm just kind of uh, under the weather and um, losing it, man. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, I got to teach this week. 
So, hey man, sounds you know? to me sounds to me like uh, it sounds sick. Sounds man. sick, man. This might be one of the old Gosh, man, sick days, just, man. One of those how many the seventy sick days you got left? A lot. I I well, rarely I, call off. So hey, I'm I'll just I'll just go ahead and say I think I speak for the realm here, right? But uh, seems to me you should seek the advice of your counsel, and I would say yeah. that uh, if you you know you're possibly considering a job change i would just let those sick days fly <laughs> yeah oh my gosh dude no kidding i probably should that's hilarious so, uh, all right well it is time to say farewell we want to thank you for playing game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 38 Tyrion 5 yeah uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that a Lannister always pays their debts.